Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. LoveRacing.nz forward slash ownership uh, is where you can go if you're interested and you want to know how to own a racehorse and be a part of this wonderful game. Right now, you can win a $10,000 share in a racehorse at loveracing.nz with them and New Zealand Bloodstock. And on the line, we have Bruce Sherwin, a man, oh, wow, with many talents within the racing game, one of them owning lots of racehorses. Morning, Bruce. Welcome into the show. Morning, Louis. Louis the legend and the big boss of the Austin household there as well. Yes, you got that right, Bruce. Thank you. There's the (laughs) boss and then there's the big boss. Bruce, welcome into the show. Great to have you here this morning. Now, the reason we got you on the show is because we chat to an owner every week. But looking forward to picking your brains on a on a picking you got one brain on a couple of different topics, mate. Just starting with your ownership uh, interest today. Tony Pike's got a few different runners from a stallion syndicate that was made, including with some very heavy hitters throughout the industry. Slipper Island being one of those today in the Bone Crusher. So, how did you find yourself a part of this syndicate with the likes of Hanui Farm, Waikato Started, etc.? Yeah, well, I've obviously been a good friend of Tony's for many years, and and helped him with the uh, buying of these horses uh, when he decided to put the the Pike Racing Syndicate together, and just kept a little piece of it each year and as you say uh, it's a great opportunity to share some fun and meet some great people one of them in the team is Noel Greenhouse and hugely successful businessman from Brisbane and this year he was a part owner of a Melbourne Cup winner and gold trip and you've got the the, the um, Hanui Farm people Waikato stud just, just great to be racing with good people. And and Bruce, how, how does it all work? What what sort of the 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 criteria and, and what's the uh, I guess idea throughout the ownership? Is it to sell, to keep, obviously, and and uh, fingers crossed, a couple go to stud. Yeah, it was probably uh, the genesis through the the raffles racing syndicate and and with Dato Yup and and the the, the the business troubles he had through COVID and just having to scale back down. We thought, well, why don't we apply the same sort of uh, initiatives to to a um, cults type syndicate, uh, but perhaps be more commercially orientated. And what we've seen over the years, we've had some really good sales up to Hong Kong of the Irishman, and more recently Scribe. And uh, not an option was was partly traded to Cambridge Stud. And if you're just um, looking for good horses to run in good races, but also being very commercially orientated. And uh, so far, the, the the team that's been involved have had some good returns out of it. Tell me about that relationship with Tony Pike as well, because that's pretty important too, isn't it? Yeah, well, that tracks back a few years. We rode show jumpers together as kids, so we've been pretty much lifelong friends and uh, part-owned horses and broodmares together. And I guess our, our introduction to racing, both of us, was more through buying um, horses on the cheap and looking to trade them on from trials and races. And fortunately, along the way, we've been able to work with some, some other owners to, to expand the budgets we can and, and that's another uh, advantage of the syndicates just instead of being trying to trade a horse from say ten to 20,000 just expanding it so you've got a budget to buy a horse of over 100,000 these days and 
Uh, yeah, so we had the same road into it, trading horses through trials and races and just developing it from there. Bruce, you've obviously worked in different parts around the world, especially through Asia with your fine broadcasting career in your own right and then with the Hong Kong Jockey Club. How strong is the, I guess, reference New Zealand racing creates overseas? We saw Jamie training a couple of winners on Hong Kong on Wednesday night. We know about James McDonald, Chris Waller, Bjorn Baker, the like. The list goes on, really. But right now in 2022, is the opinion of New Zealand racing equine and human still as high as it's ever been? Oh, no question, and I would suggest a good example of that in my time since I've been on the, the Asian uh, Racing Federation and the International Horse Racing Federation. Winfred Engelbert Bruges is the head of both of those, and he has repeatedly told us how and how critical the New Zealand uh, racing industry is to to their particular Hong Kong Racing, Hong Kong Jockey Club, which he also heads. Uh, they're seen as a critical uh, cog in the supply chain of horses and are keen to develop relationships further uh, in years to come as they see supply chain issues down the track. So uh, that's just one part of it. But uh, New Zealand's very well respected. Our horses up in Asia are generally uh, value for mon- money. They're, uh, they, they're horses that stand the test of time. They're hardy animals. They can cope with most things and they, yeah, they have greater longevity. So uh, and that's just the horses, not just the horse people who obviously have international respect. This morning, well, we've spoken about it, but yesterday we got some pretty uncomfortable news through about a shortfall that the codes are going to have to cover. I don't know how much you want to comment on this, and you probably have per- personal opinion versus your uh, role on the board of NZTR, but it it felt like a bit of a balloon pop moment for myself. Just I felt like we were getting some nice momentum, and this creates a little bit of a headache for the codes is the relationship with TAB and, and the codes in, in your from your vantage point is it a really strong one at the moment, Bruce? It's it's been very good uh, in the time I've been on the board of New Zealand Racing for two years. We we have maintained a very good relationship with the TAB, and uh, that's no doubt helped by having one of our board members, Jason Fleming, also on the TAB board. Uh, it, it, as far as obviously, there's been some some headwinds for the TAB in recent times, and uh, that release yesterday. Uh, we we have to obviously dig deeper and ask some hard questions moving forward, with expenses going up and revenue going down, and what the plans are in the long term. But but short term, we have established obviously the sustainability fund with it, NZTR, uh, through some some positive outcomes in the last two years coming out of COVID. So. We can cover that uh, that shortfall this season, and we can look at what happens further down the track. But obviously, some questions to be asked of where the TAB is, where and where it's heading. Bruce, just changing the subject back to your runners for today. Obviously, DiMaggio, Slipper Island, the landing. Can you uh, tell us what you like and, and perhaps uh, a little bit of info for the punters? Tip us one, Bruce. <laughs> That's what Emily's <laughs> asking. Oh, nicely. Um, I asked it nicely. <laughs> Well, I, I, to, to tell the truth, I did have a little play on Slipper Island earlier at, at his earlier price, but more so for a place. I don't think he can beat Sacred Satono, but he's a horse we do have a lot of time for. He over-raced his first run back behind Sacred Satono when he had the blinkers on at Ruakaka, went much better at Trantham. So I think he's a terrific uh, top three chance, but Sacred Satono looks like it has the figures to be almost unbeatable from gate one. Uh, DiMaggio, he's a horse we're going to probably got pencilled in as a, as a derby type horse. He's going to be better as he steps out in distance, but 
Uh, again, the way he's going just at the moment, he's a good each-way chance. First race of the day down there at Trent. And the other two later in the day, they can be a little uh, unreliable, the landing. And what's the other horse in that race? Um, Prince of Talon. They have the ability on their day, but they don't always show their best. And another one we've got to share in is Valda Zoldo. She's probably our best winning chance today. She's got some stakes form from earlier in the season and the horse that beat her last time. She's in a race two at Pukekohe number 12. Uh, she was beaten last time by a horse that came out and ran fourth in the listed race last week. So her form's terrific and a win looks really close for her. Yeah, Valdez Otto looks a definite chance. All right, um, I'll get you out on this one because I've got a high-powered panel here between yourself and Emily Boss, and you guys are both <laughs> very both both very well acquainted to the breeding game. Blocker Tex, he says, the blocker here, Emily and Bruce, if you had a favourite broodmare and she could serve be served by any stallion, what would your top three be? So I'll start with you, Emily, and then we'll go to Bruce. You can just give us one or two. What would it be at the moment? Your stallion of choice. Stallion of choice. Oh, I think New Zealand, I'd love to breed a horse to Savabil just because of what he's achieved. Uh, if I put a European flavour on it, which is sort of where I'm from, See the Stars was a, a racehorse that I had so much time for. I just thought he was just an icon for me. So I'd love to breed a horse to him. In Australian terms, written tycoon. I really like what he does. There you go. That's You covered your bases there nicely. Three different countries. <laughs> Politically correct. Yeah, very good. <laughs> uh, Bruce, you? Mm, yeah, it's, uh, uh, we've had the conversation with any number of people and breeders through the spring. I think the New Zealand stocks of young stallions coming through at the moment is possibly has been better in a very long time. You've got Prast here who's absolutely killing it at the moment for Rich Hill with the Group 1 wins and the three-year-old crop uh, winning both the 1,000 and 2,000 guineas. Um, Turn me loose, going well, Tony Ladder and Manzor, but... It really is hard to go past Savabil, isn't, isn't it, with his record? He's, he really is a champion. Yeah, he is. He absolutely is. And yesterday, uh, well, we had a couple of texters say that when Izzy Dag owns a Savabil, he could either call it Dagabil or Savadag. <laughs> so so hopefully his uh, journey with Pangor continues to go well so he can roll some of that money back into the industry. Bruce, great to catch up with you this morning. And as I say, you wear lots of different hats. We have to get you back on another time because I value your opinion on lots of stuff mate so good luck today for all your ownership interests and we'll talk again thanks absolutely pleasure talking to you both good luck